Let's go to the word of the Lord this morning. I want to share with you what it means to walk together in the faith and to walk our faith out with others. We're in a series on person to person and how to disciple and how to mentor people. What I want to share with you this morning is something that you can find the information on PursueGod.com. It's a great resource that uh, I uh, came across just over the weekend, and I'm encouraging you to, to look it up. There's so many resources on this website, PursueGod.com, as far as how to disciple and mentor other people. And if there's been any failure in the church, it is this, that we've not been discipling and mentoring one-to-one other people. We've been expecting the paid professionals to do it. We've been expecting the church to do it all when you are the church. And so we need to continually learn how to walk together and disciple and mentor other believers. It's what you and I are called to do in simple ways and in great ways. What I'd like to, first of all, is define what we're talking about, discipleship and mentoring, is we would walk down the road of our Christian faith, uh, we're to share it with others, and there's a bit of a debate on whether we're mentoring or whether we're discipling. And some see that discipling is a rigid biblical study, and some see mentoring as life application. Uh, What is better than the other? Well, they're both the same path. Uh, There's two sides to a road, and as we walk down the road and you're living out your faith with someone else, sometimes you're going to disciple in the Word and teach them principles and doctrine. Sometimes you're going to walk to the other side and help them get through a difficult situation. Pray with them, hug them, and hold them, and encourage them. Discipleship and mentorship are two things that lead us to the path of our faith. Probably the best way to understand it would be like this, faith and practice. Faith and practice. It's very much like Paul's epistles. Paul will load up a letter that he sends to Thessalonica or Corinthians, uh, Corinth, and, and he'll give them the theology at the beginning of the letter, and towards the end of that epistle, you'll hear him talk about, now let's all get along. Let's not gossip. Let's treat each other well. So the faith and the practice come together. How many of you know we need both of that, and we need to share that and walk in that? We need to instruct the Word of God, but we also need how to live it out in a very practical way and application. And that's what we're wanting to do this morning. 2 Peter 1.3 said, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So in God's divine power, through His Word, through His abiding Spirit, we have everything we need for life. That's the practical, day-to-day, righteous living for Jesus. And, he says, not only for life, but godliness. The biblical foundation of who Christ is and what the Word of God says. I hope you're getting that in this church. I hope that you've been getting faith and practice, that you've been getting the Word of God, the teaching of God, but also how to live it out practically day to day in the grocery store, at your friend's house, when you go to work, how to practically apply a righteous life so that you may be a witness to others. Do you know that you're discipling people even when you're not talking to them? You're discipling people by the manner in which you live. 
Your neighbors are watching you. I've had neighbors tell me that they knew I was a Christian. I never talked to them before. But they saw the way my household ran from across the street or down the block. So it's faith and practice. This is discipleship and this is mentoring. So why should we be doing this? What is the why? Number one, the Great Commission. It's being obedient to what God commanded us to do. Every individual. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all nations. And we look at that and say, well, I may not go to Pakistan. I might not go to Italy. Maybe the furthest I'm going to get is Florida. I don't know. The word here for nations isn't about literally going to another country. It is ethnos. It is speaking to all people groups. Do you know somebody that isn't part of your people group or race or nationality? Do you know somebody who has a different ethnos? Talk to them about the kingdom. Talk to them about the Lord. And you will be doing the Great Commission. In other words, bottom line, all people. Disciple all people. He's expanding what the nation of Israel was to now all people, Gentiles, nations alike. Make disciples. All right? Now, as we're making disciples, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is the act of salvation, bringing them into the saving grace of God through baptism and the the triune Godhead. But it also means to baptize is to immerse. Immersing them into the knowledge of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can you teach someone and immerse someone in the knowledge of God? And he goes on and he says this. Teach them to observe all that I have suggested to you. Now that's a much friendlier Jesus. We've got to have a sensitive Jesus now. We have to have a friendly, nice Jesus. For him to be commanding might offend me. Teaching them, who? The disciples, the converts, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In other words, you're not going to do this alone. My spirit is guiding you. My spirit is teaching you. My spirit's instructing you. Through any effort you make, I will join myself to you. Now that should give you confidence. And so we're to disciple, we're to mentor all ethnos, all people, and we're to immerse them in the presence of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we're to teach them to obey what Christ has commanded us. What has Christ commanded us? To love one another. To share and to give to one another. To care for one another. To support one another. To instruct and mature and encourage one another. And to follow a righteous way of life. And Jesus will help us do this. That's the first reason we are making disciples. The second is the strategy. How are we going to do this? Well, Jesus gave us his own DNA. He put his spirit within each one of us. Remember he said, my spirit will be with you even to the end of the age. So as we get saved and put our faith on the cross of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God's own holiness and his nature comes and abides in us. 
that nature is the DNA of Christ himself. And so Christ in us is helping us to instruct others. He said, I gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or shepherds, and teachers. That's the fivefold DNA of Jesus. Jesus is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. And you have all of that in you through that DNA of Christ. Now, with that, we're to equip the saints to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That word ministry is diakonos, it's servanthood. We're to equip the saints. Anybody here a saint? You all are saints. You all are saints. You don't have to uh, have a certain uh, level to reach before you get sainthood. The minute the Spirit of God comes into you, you are sanctified. You are no longer classified as a sinner. You are now classified as a saint, a child of God, one who is holy. Now that you are holy, it is your work, my work, our work, to serve the King and to serve others to build up the body of Christ, to increase the body of Christ, to grow the body of Christ. We need to make disciples through mentoring and through studying the word together. That's the strategy. But I feel we've failed on that strategy. Because in America, what we've done is we've made it a Sunday profession. But Monday through Saturday, it's do what you can. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Day to day we're to evangelize. Day to day we're to mentor. Day to day we're to prophesy. Day to day we're to encourage and build and teach and instruct all those around us. Amen? What a strategy. What a strategy. Person to person. Walking together. Why? What's the need? Those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to hell and will be punished for their sin by eternal separation and damnation from God. Can I put it any plainer? If we do not rid ourselves of the stain of sin, we are under the judgment of a holy God. But God, who so loved the world, gave his Son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You and I have been saved, our sins washed away. And so how grateful are we? How grateful are we? I'll show you how grateful we are. We will go out and reach the lost. We'll care for the dying, the perishing. We'll rescue them from the flames. I mean, if you really believe this thing, somebody ought to do something about this. They're dying. They're perishing in eternal damnation. And so this is the need. Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion. That's what we need is a compassionate heart because they were harassed and helpless. You see how many people are being herded today by media, herded by ideologies that are completely false and completely and utterly sinful. And people don't know what to do. They're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You have the shepherd in you. You are to lead people to Christ. 
Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are what? Few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And I consider when he was talking, he had 12. That's just a few. But as you look through the span of history and you'll see the multiplication factor of the servants of God and those who have followed Christ, disciples of the Lord, we number into the billions. We're reaching this world. And we must reach more. Can I get an amen on that? That's the commission. That's the strategy. That's the need. So how are we going to go about doing this? It's pretty simple. Number one, you engage. You engage. Meet someone. Agree to talk together. They want to know more about Jesus? Set up a time to talk to them. Get engaged. Walk alongside. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you have countless teachers in Christ... You do not have many fathers. What's he trying to say there? You can get Christian teaching anywhere. I mean, anybody looking for a study on the gospel just has to Google it. There are so many podcasts, so many teachings, so many radio shows, so many books. It's there. We have an enormous supply of the gospel. Why aren't more people getting saved? We've got Thousands of teachers for anyone to pick up a lesson from. But they need a mentor. They need a discipler. They need someone who will walk with them. I think of the Ethiopian eunuch. Do you remember him? He's riding along in his chariot. Imagine as a chariot. He's got the Detroit lean. Riding in his chariot. Stops and he's trying to read Isaiah 53 and he can't figure it out. And God plucks Philip out of a revival and puts him in the desert and says, walk along that man's chariot. Join yourself to him. If you look to the specific word, he uses a word that means glue yourself to that man. Join yourself to him. Walk along with him so that he may ask. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how am I supposed to understand this? Unless someone teaches me, someone helps me. That's why there's so much teaching out there, but are there enough fathers? What do fathers do? They care. They walk alongside. They raise and nurture someone's faith. Mothers do the same thing. I could replace mother for father in that verse. I could replace sister or brother for that verse. What it means is relate to them, build relationship, and help them understand. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch got. And when Philip mentored, when Philip discipled him, and he helped him understand Isaiah 53 specifically, as they're moving along, the Ethiopian eunuch said, there's some water, I want to get baptized. How did he know about that? Philip must have told him, the necessity of baptism in salvation. How else would he have known? He says, well, I want to do that. He wanted to be what? Obedient to all that Christ had commanded. Immediately, he would not have known how to be obedient to Christ unless someone 
taught him how. And immediately he was ready to. So the first thing to do is engage in people. But that's hard in our culture because we are completely disengaging from relationships altogether. The church must break this social trend of not associating. We must associate and engage our culture. I'm afraid of our culture. It's weird. You've got to learn it, know it, and get into the middle of it and rescue the perishing. They need help. Engage in reaching into people's lives. Amen? Secondly, establish a faith in them. It happened quickly with Philip and that Ethiopian eunuch. He immediately wanted to obey what Christ had commanded and he needed to get baptized to understand to secure his salvation by publicly confessing Jesus as Lord. So what we need to do is once we engage in people, we need to form Christ in them. That's what Paul said about the Galatians. He said, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's what we have the privilege of doing. Being a nursemaid to the ministry of the Holy Spirit as they become impregnated by the imperishable seed of God's word to birth Christ in them to where they are born again and you get to participate. Praise God. That is awesome and wondrous to see and to be involved with. How many of you have seen someone come to faith through time and through learning and discovering and their eyes of understanding opening up? There's nothing like it. To me, there's nothing like speaking to someone and watching their eyes when they get it. You're watching a miracle of birth spiritually. So we need to establish them in salvation. We engage them. We establish the formation of Christ in them through discipleship and mentoring. And then we empower them to share their faith. That's how the faith came to Ethiopia. One man brought it to a nation and it took over that nation. Part, and this is a part of our failure, is part of bringing someone to Christ, we then say, now come to church. See you later. I'm out. We've got to shape and help them understand now it is your job to do the same for somebody else. Start sharing your faith. That is essential. Sharing your faith is essential to living and growing in faith. And some of you are stinted or stunted. That's the right word. Stunted. Maybe you have a few stints. I don't know. But many of us are stunted because we've not done this third aspect of our faith and shared it. You know, when you begin to realize I should be sharing this faith, you begin to walk in a more righteous manner. You begin to realize I better get my act together. You realize, I better understand what this is if I'm going to share it. And many times you begin to understand it deeper because you are now explaining it. 
Does this make sense to you? So we need to be empowered. We need to share our faith and teach them. This is a very simple principle. What you have heard from me, Paul said, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay? Encourage them to share the faith. Encourage them. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen many times when people get saved and people are excited of what they've discovered, you can't hold them back. My Aunt Sylvia needs to hear this. My brother needs to hear this. My neighbor's got to hear this. Then they go out and they tell everyone. And sometimes they get rejected and wounded and hurt because people think they're nuts. And then they stop. Maybe you stopped because you didn't get good enough results. Please don't. Exercise your faith. Don't quit on it. It is essential. These three elements. Engage with people, establish their faith, and empower them to share it. Discipleship mentoring. That's kind of simple, isn't it? Is this simple enough? But see, we have to do it. We can talk about it. I can teach it. But we got to do this thing. Wouldn't you agree? Will you do this? Can I get somebody to raise their hand and say, I'm going to do this? Amen. Amen. Uh, and by the way, it's not a suggestion. It's a command by your Lord and your Savior. Let me give you five essentials in discipling and mentoring. Five basic essentials when we do this. Number one, commit to a relationship. It is a relationship. You don't just spout out information. You relate to people. You become part of their life. If you don't care about the person you're mentoring, you'll never stick with it. Now, you may not become best friends with them, but you develop a compassion, a patience, and a grace for them. And you want them to grow in Christ. And they'll end up texting you at many hours of the day and night. And they'll call you confused. I'm at the Super Bowl party and my cousins offered me a joint and I don't know what to do. Help them through. I don't know. Really? You need to encourage. You know, half the time, you know, most of the time, mentorship and discipleship is just encouraging them to do what they already know they should do. Many of us just need somebody to say or point the right way or affirm what they know how to do. We all need that help. So, number one, it's a relationship. Now, it may last a long time. It could last a lifetime. It could last for a certain amount of time. Only God knows, but do your part. Number two, share the right thing at the right time. This isn't about you getting with someone and telling them your understanding of the conspiracy theories that are the most prevalent right now. Because i got to ask you, what are you discipling them, if that's your point? You're discipling them to follow, um, uh, who is that? Jesus, yeah, one person said it. <laughs> yeah, 
So this isn't about you sharing your favorite doctrines, you sharing your favorite information. This is you mentoring and shaping someone in the knowledge of Christ. Share the right thing at the right time. And sometime you need to share grace. Sometimes you need to share discipline. It's like parenting. You need to know how to encourage and maybe rescue, or sometimes you talk straight up and say, you know what, that's very wrong. And you need to point it out because they're stuck. So share the right thing at the right time. When to share the grace and love of God and when to share the sternness of correction. Number three, don't uh, just do your part and not God's part. Okay? So uh, your part is to encourage and show them and reveal Christ to them in Scripture and help them walk that walk. God will cause the increase. God will convict them. God will instruct them and help them. But they have a part too. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Pastor, would you mentor me? Okay, yeah. And then after uh, trying to contact, not hearing from them, and then waiting a month or so, they come back and I said, I thought you wanted to be mentored. Yeah, you haven't called me at all. I'm not, you're supposed to call me. You're the one who wants to be mentored. You need to follow through. I'll give you some Bible readings to read. You didn't read them. So if you're not going to engage, I can't mentor or disciple you if you don't do your part. So find someone that will respond or you'll be frustrated and you need to cut that off. All right. Now, sometimes you lose them, they lose their way, but they come back and you restore them. But there's a part for you to play, there's a part for God to play, and there's a part for them to play. Learn those parts. I always teach this. There, there may be times for intervention, but for most of the time, don't do more work than they do. Because you're just now carrying and enabling them. Sometimes you have to for a season. But if they're not going to do the work, you can't get the life of Christ flowing out of them. All right, number four, it all points to Jesus. It doesn't point to you. It doesn't point to your denomination. It doesn't point to your church. It points to Christ and Christ alone. Can you mentor and disciple someone of a different denomination? Absolutely. Can you mentor and disciple someone who doesn't go to your church? Absolutely. This is about Jesus. It's about the kingdom of God. Last of all, pray, pray, pray. Pray with them, pray for them, and teach them how to pray. This is essential. This is key. So this is a very simple lesson today on discipling and mentoring. The strategy, the commission, the need. How do we do it? We engage, establish, and empower them. And the basic principles are really simple. And if you want materials and you need help, go to pursuegod.com or .org. And as we go throughout this entire year, we're going to learn how to relate our faith person to person. Let's bow our heads.